Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. on Infinite Films, brought to you by All Too Real 2 Podcast. Okay, everybody, welcome to the latest episode of All Too Real 2. My name is Michael E. Cullen II, and with me, as always, is... Sesame, Ivy, and Carta. That's, that's, that's a, a great name. Thank you. It's, um, very, uh... Very um, on brand. It is. I think so. I don't know what that means, but um, <laughs> I guess I have a brand. Yes, <laughs> you should. We should start selling um Sesame and Carta encyclopedias, and um... yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just like nothing but like transcripts of our reviews into mm-hmm. like a book format. We're just going to print out Wikipedia and, um, no, <laughs> yeah, and we'll just, we'll call it in, in Carta, you yeah, know, we'll print, like little... we'll, we'll print out all of it. <laughs> in, all of Wikipedia. Yeah. You know how many pages that would be? Uh, um, yeah, pages. <laughs> probably reach from here to like Pluto or something. I mean, I don't know, yeah. but, um, which, you know. We could see with a nice little, uh, you know, observatory in Gotham City. Ooh, nice segue. Yes. I, <laughs> I, 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 I did appreciate that. I thought it was a good one. Um, I think um, if there's an award for best segues on a podcast, I should win it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but, then we, but then we discussed the segue, so I think we ruined it now. <laughs> oh, well, I'm gonna... <laughs> That's fine. But, uh... Anyways, today on the show, we are covering the 1997 film Batman and Robin. Um, this was released in theaters. Yep. And people saw it. I did. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, initial thoughts here, Sesame. Oh, wow. Um, so... All right, so watching the movie, did not did not like it very much. Um, thought yeah. it was kind of funny to laugh at at times because you know of how corny it was. But when I was doing some research, I was you know reading articles about it and just getting other people's perspectives, and actually kind of 
made me appreciate the movie within the context that actually came out. So now I'm looking at it from the lens of the articles that I read, not not the movie that I actually saw, which I hated when it when it came out. I saw it with two friends. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, and again, context is important. So I was 12 years old when I saw uh, Batman Forever. And I loved it. Even watching it over time, like years later, did not like it very much. But at the time, I thought it was great. Yeah. And then, so 1997 comes out two years later. So I'm 14 now. I go see it with um, same two friends that I saw Batman Forever with. This time it was just us. Before that, we our parent, my parents were there, so it was like a family thing. Yeah. But this was yeah. like, oh, it's just me and my friends now. Like we're like we're growing up and we're doing things by ourselves, and you know, this is like the first thing we're gonna do that's gonna like help us push us into like our, you know, young adult lives, and then it's this movie that launches us. You know, in a way, it kind of grows our development if you will so so, some people's you know journey into adulthood is like a bar mitzvah or or like joining the military or um going to college or something yours was seeing batman and robin that was the first thing yes okay It, it it kind of froze me you know uh sort of not mentally but emotionally uh developmentally if that well that makes sense but whatever there's too many emotionally, developmentally. There's too there's too many e's at the end of words. But uh, uh, yeah, we hated it. I mean, it was my friend Scott, Dan, and like at first, it was one of those things where like um, we thought it was like a joke, and like the, then like the real movie was gonna like come in. Like we thought, oh, maybe they're just kind of doing like a you know an homage, you know, to like the 1960s. TV show, but then you, you thought know, this. The movie... You thought this just a few minutes into the movie, not like after the two hours of the film, right? Oh no, no, yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> you were just making sure. <laughs> Thinking like, yeah, you know, it's it's just like a, you know, then we're gonna get to like the real movie, and it's gonna be kind of dark, or you know, or at least a little bit of campy, but not not overdone. Because like you know, for example, so like when Metallica came out with saying anger in two thousand three, yeah. same thing happened. Both my brother and I bought copies together. And we put one of them in the CD player in the car and we're listening to the first song and we're like, okay, this sounds kind of weird. Maybe it's just like an intro. And then like a minute, two goes into it. Like, okay, like, this is a really long intro for the song to actually like get into like a Metallica song. And then like, all right, like the whole song goes by like, okay, I guess this is just how it sounds like now. And it was like every song, like, all right, this, this is the album. Apparently it sucks, but this is, this is what it is. So, that's very that much. Like, that's very much how I felt with Justin Bieber's second album. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just joking. I have no idea what, what his second do, album I mean, is. You, know, you got the first <laughs> album was great. Sometimes, you, sometimes you go out on a high note, you know, and it just, uh, you know, like just like you know, um, Michael, um, uh, what's the dude, uh, Tubular Bells? That dude, I forgot his name. Uh, uh, the guy who wrote Tubular Bells that was played Exorcist, like he. That was like his first album, and then like he could never top it, so he just like went crazy because he was like 18 years old when he wrote it and everything. He's like, "Damn it, I can't." So that's kind of how I felt with seeing this. I was like, "Oh God, this is this is starting my adolescence. This is," and then it's this piece of shit movie. So I watched it again Saturday, and I didn't hate it. I just was laughing at it. I thought it was stupid, but I w- I didn't actually hate it. 
then I started reading those articles. And I was like, oh, well, I can actually now sort of like actually appreciate the like what it was tr- like. It was trying to be like that. Like it wasn't. See, I had the impression that like this was all a mistake. Like this, it just turned out this way. Like that they they wanted it to be like Batman Returns, you know, like with you know Catwoman, and you know yeah. cause that's like the brilliant movie, you know, like it's very dark, it's very, mm-hmm. but it's still jokey in its own way. So it kind of just has this, it kind of creates this really good balance between those two things. So I I had always assumed that this this was this movie was not supposed to be as stupid as it was until I realized no. There's no way this was an accident. Like this no. was like so. I was like, okay, now I can appreciate that this is how it was. And the other thing too, sorry, I'm not. Oh no, around. keep going. The other thing too is that so at the time, I didn't really understand the concept of like a a movie series. Like I I I thought these were all standalone Batman films. Like I I didn't know that they were supposed to be connected, like part of one big series. But then at the same time. It did feel like each standalone Batman film was so weird and different from the other. So I was like really confused about like what was going on because he had three different actors playing Batman in four movies. Yeah. And I thought these were all standalone films. If I had known that they were supposed to be a series, I probably actually would have been more confused than I already was when I first saw it. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's kind of like, I mean, they are standalone, but in a series at the same time because. You don't have to necessarily have watched the other three to to know that who Batman and Robin are, and kind of you know, know they're the good guys sort of thing. You know, it's it's kind of like James Bond movies. You don't really have to see, you know, Doctor No to understand from Russia with Love or something. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, if you're a purist, you need to watch them all. No. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta watch every episode. Like, what what channel? What I forgot. What app has um all the Doctor Who episodes like yeah. series? I, I go because I never really got into Doctor Who, but like I, yeah. for some reason I've gotten itch lately, and I want to just go through like the whole thing from like the beginning. <laughs> like, yeah. Do you want to go back to the like sixties, or do you want to? go Oh yeah. To... Oh, okay. okay, I'm talking like the earliest. Yeah. yeah there I... there are a lot of missing episodes though from the early series so well i'll yeah. do the best i can i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because they, they they weren't saving things like they do now you know so yeah right it gets aired on tv and they just it was like it, it aired once and they didn't really give a shit anymore after that um right. because a lot yeah, of that... a, lot, a lot of things i mean are a lot of early television aired live too not that that did but um prior to like uh I Love Lucy and uh, Honeymooners and stuff like that, you know, like sitcoms that aired in the United States and in Great Britain aired once live. And until they created Kinescope, you didn't really ever see them again. And that was where they just basically put a film camera in front of the, a monitor while the thing was being performed. Oh, wow. And recorded that. And then they could air it like in Los Angeles after it aired in New York or whatever. So, or as, in, as... You know, yeah, <laughs> they'd have to like ship it out there. It might be like you know, in, in early TV, I think sometimes you know, like if a TV show aired on a Monday, you didn't get to see it until Wednesday if you lived in the West Coast or something. Sometimes, so wow. yeah, um, and most TV was bro- broadcast out of New York at that time. But um, yeah, but anyways, 
I don't know where we got on that, but uh, <laughs> the but yeah, it's it's uh, the movie. It was good. I mean, I'm a. I mean, I loved Batman, 1989. It's mm-hmm. brilliant. Um, probably one of the best superhero films ever made. Um, the Batman Returns is 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 a unique animal all of its own. Um, mm-hmm. it's good. I won't say it's better than '89. That's just my own personal opinion, but I like it. Um, Batman Forever was decent, but I mean, there was issues where when Batman returns came out for some odd reason even though the first movie was really dark people thought the second one was too dark and they were upset that they took their kids to see it so the studio basically forced the hand of getting tim burton out of the director's chair he was still a producer on batman forever brought in joel schumacher who was a big fan of the adam west tv series and the more like colorful like 60s comic books of Batman. And so he brought this whole cartoon aspect to it. And that's what he was going for with uh with it, but Batman Forever still had a heart to it and a deep psychological story to it and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think Batman Forever is actually a good movie. Um then there was First off, there was like three years in between Batman 89 and then Batman Returns came out in 92. And then there was 95 is when Batman Forever came out. So you had a nice three years to in between to develop things and before you had to release it. Then you yeah. have, uh, they rushed it to 97. So it was like, they all came out in June each year. Okay. So you you have like uh, June June of ninety five till June of ninety seven you know, or is in between the two movies. It was almost too soon, you know, and um, they made the toys before the script was finished. <laughs> of course. So they basically wrote the script to the toys. So it's it's what they call a toyetic film. So, yeah, be kind of yeah. like. Uh... Yeah. Well, we were talking about last time with Masters like like of the Master of the Universe was basically yeah. a toyetic television series, yeah. Especially where, yeah. the Christmas episode, there's just so many characters, like yeah. <clears throat> and um, so so yeah, it's it's basically like a two hour toy commercial is basically what Batman and Robin is. I mean, that's <clears throat> what it feels like, literally, yeah. just from the the style of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we haven't even gotten into the actual story yet, but I think most people have probably seen it. Yeah, um, but we can. I mean, this is just my initial reaction to the movie and kind of explaining why I look the lens I'm looking at the movie through, and that I understood this. Like when it came out, I was in my late teens, um, so I I knew basically what um you know, what to expect. I wasn't expecting a a good movie. Like when I saw Batman forever, I saw that in theaters and I was blown away in theaters by it. Don't, you know, at the time, you know, it's not, doesn't really hold up necessarily, but this just kind of let me down when I saw this. I'm pretty sure I saw it in theaters, but I don't remember. Or if I saw it when it first came out on 
VHS or whatever at the time. So yeah, I don't know, but it it was bad. <laughs> but Especially at the time, it was a yeah. letdown. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it, I, I listening to the uh, the audio commentary with uh, Joel Schumacher on the box set I have of this. Mm-hmm. I'm rest in peace, Joel Schumacher. Um, yeah. who supposedly slept with 20,000 people. Um, wow. That's what he claimed. <laughs> I doubt that's true. But, uh, I know. I don't know when he had time to direct movies, but... Um, yeah. The, <laughs> the, um, all right, so 20... So just... Yeah. Sorry, I don't want I don't mean to... But, so... 10,000 days is about 30 years. Yeah. yeah. So that means that... So how how old was he when he died? Um, um no, like he, how old he was? Let me see here. He was uh, eighty when he died. Okay, so that means that if he if he lost his virginity at age twenty, yeah, that and I'm just I'm just going yeah. by that. That means that he would have to have sex with one person, a different person, mind you, once a day for sixty years. Yep, we're not talking about. The same person no. multiple times. We're talking he's, about he said twenty thousand. He said twenty thousand people. I don't believe he was a gay. He was a gay that. man, but he did, you know, according to him, have sex with multiple women. Okay. As well. I don't even so, think there was even twenty thousand gay people in the United States that yeah, some of them. Some of them were women that he had. Yeah. So okay. Well, but yeah. even so, that's one person, mm-hmm. unique person, uh, yeah. a day. Yeah. Not unique as in their personality traits or their no. body, just unique, a different person uh, every day. And if he's saying like multiple times a day, like you said, then how has he had time to write or direct movies during exactly. this time? So, I mean, I guess, sorry, you know, no. I guess if he has like a, a, a Rolodex of 20,000 people that, you know, just make a schedule for the next 60 years. And um... I guess, but just seeing, <laughs> just yeah, I, I don't believe him. <laughs> but, but, but anywho, um, he... Yeah. Uh, on the uh, on the audio commentary for the movie, it's practically him for two hours apologizing. Yeah, which which is good. I mean, I don't think all the blame should be put on him. Some of it should be on the writing, obviously, with Akiva Goldsman, but um, and some of it on the acting and stuff like that. But the thing is, it's like like he said um, about it in interviews from time to time. He says when when something goes great we should all take the credit for it but when something goes bad it should all fall on the director okay which is actually the way you should look at things because you're the person in charge and if things are going good you want to give credit to those people that are going well but if things are going bad it's kind of your fault because you hired the wrong people you didn't direct them in the right way whatever it was you know so it kind of falls on your shoulders. Yeah. So I agree with him. Um, with that said, any of my movies that are bad, it's everybody else's fault. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> that was sarcasm, folks. Don't take it. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what's happening here in this movie? Oh, God. Well, so we got this funny little thing going on where it shows, um, like, almost immediately after the title sequence, 
we get Batman and Robin suiting up and like the camera zooms in on their butts with their leather pants for some reason. There's like a funny little thing. And then uh and their and then like and their and their nipple chests. That's they're, right, that too. And their suits are very like just like interesting looking and form fitting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh they're you know, they're in their vehicles, you know, Robin's immediately, you know, complaining that he doesn't have his own car, that he just has a motorcycle, all that, you know, etc. I want to point and out also, I want to point out something too. Oh sure. In this series of Batman movies, this is the first Batmobile that is only a one seater. Oh wow. In a movie called Batman and Robin. Yeah. I'm just saying, I'm just saying he had a passenger seat that he barely used in the other movies. But now he has a Batmobile without a passenger seat when he could actually use it for his for his sidekick or partner. (laughs) You could almost say that Batman was icing out Robin. Oh, wait, is that a pun? Yes, it is. And this movie's full of ice. Oh, my gosh. I never noticed that. No. So he gets his bullshit motorcycle, which is not nearly as cool as the Batmobile. Um, Alfred is telling them like the, who they're going up against. And it's this guy named Mr. Free calls himself Mr. Freeze. By the way, his actual name was Freeze as an F-R-I-E-S. Yeah. So they have to be very literal. Doctor, Dr. Victor Freeze. In the comic books, he was originally Mr. Zero. Okay. Well, that, you know. Mr. Freeze I, I sounds like better. Name better. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Freeze reminds me of a ice cream uh, shop in uh, Holland, Ohio. I think I'm pretty sure it was I'm named sure. after the character. So, oh, was it okay? Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so, whatever. Yeah, but you know, so that's what I reminded of. Uh, so he's he's you know trying to steal some like diamond and like a museum, I guess, and. You know, yeah, because his he has this condition where he has to be kept at a certain temperature. That's why he's called Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And um, the suit that keeps him at that temperature is, for some reason, never explained, powered by diamonds. Yeah, there, there's literally no explanation for that mm-hmm. whatsoever. That the diamonds... So he needs, like, this really big one to, like, basically finish his collection that he needs to... Mm-hmm. to um, basically um help us find a cure for his wife that he's got frozen and sort of like a like a Cryogenic. water i don't know yeah. weird because water not frozen i don't know how that works but whatever and then um yeah and it, she's got she's really, got something called mcgregor's syndrome yeah which comes in really, got, it's, it's a big plot point in this movie so yeah yeah and she's got like the worst stage of it or whatever and then uh he was able to cure stage one um, but not not the stage that she's at, which is like three. I don't remember the exact number. But yeah. uh, and so like you know he's he's like one of the he's, he's got like the villain with like you know a point type of thing. Like he's not like Bane. Well, speaking of Bane, well we'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, the, the, not, this like, version of Bane is <laughs> it's nowhere near the the cool um, yeah. Tom Tom Hardy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, not not the cool Tom Hardy version from Dark Knight Rises. I was actually kind of pissed. When I was watching this, when I found out that was Bane, I was like, don't you fucking dare oh, yeah. do Bane this way. I, I didn't remember, honestly, when I first, when I was watching this, I did not even remember him as a character. I remember Poison Ivy, uh, which I accidentally switched her over into Batman Forever for some reason. Yeah. 
she was supposed to be she was supposed to be in that script originally uh originally uh schumacher wanted her in that but uh Okay. Didn't I know too much about Batman? I shouldn't know this stuff. No, anyways, it's fine. So yeah. I my mean, bro- no, no, I'm just saying there's 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 better uses for my brain, but somehow well, I know this shit. Yeah, yeah but you know, it's <laughs> what you enjoy. I mean, yeah, you know, I know. <laughs> but yeah, for some reason in my mind, I was placed mm-hmm. there working alongside with the Riddler, baby, because he wore a green suit. Maybe yeah, that's probably why. Batman. And but no, she was in this one. But anyway, that's that's jumping ahead. But like, so they're like playing hockey on the ice because he's got like a, this sort of like freeze gun that he can shoot ice out of and he kills people with and, or at least throws you know freezes them and whatever yeah my my yeah. thing here okay about, about the, the henchman i always question in some of these uh comic book movies and animated shows and stuff like that and and some of the arrowverse even um it's like you get these henchmen and you you know like What's the process of getting these guys together? Like, yeah. did he find a hockey team and then convince them to be his uh, henchmen? Oh. Um, and, and, and then be like, okay, so you're not going to be able to wear your normal clothing. You're going to have to wear this, like, you know, ice-related clothing. Just like in the first Batman, the Joker's group of people are all dressed up like clowns. And Penguin, the people are all, you know... He's got like penguins as hench people, actually, real penguins. Yeah, actual and, penguins. Yeah, yeah, and you know, <laughs> and then you know, like, and uh, you know, you got crazy looking people with the Riddler and Two Face and stuff, and it's just like <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you gotta really make sure that you understand who the villains are and, and who their henchmen are, because you know, it would make too much sense for them to be able to blend in with mm-hmm. mainstream society. So yeah. that way they can attack without people noticing. People I just wonder, is, is, is there is there like a, uh, you know, I mean, I know this was like probably pre, you know, internet being big, but is there like a Indeed.com that's just for hench people? Um, it might be, like yeah. a catalog, you yeah. know, like, but like a catalog you can only get from like the CD underground, like, you know, yeah. like a criminal is like, oh, I got a guy who shows me how to find other guys, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, I got a guy who finds me guys, you know, not, yeah. not in that way necessarily, but like, you know, well, maybe in that way, but like, it, it, um, it, it, it's, it's like, it's like, you know, when, when, uh, when, when Mr. Freeze goes on to WTF with Mark Maron, he's like, who's your guys, you know, who, who'd you start? Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's my henchmen who, who could play hockey very well for some yeah. reason. <laughs> Professionals, they're, they're hitting this, this thing, like it's an ice puck, you know, and, <laughs> For some reason, he shoots his own henchmen at times. I don't understand. But, like, anyways, he shoots Robin. And it, I swear to God, this ice looked like it was plastic. Like, I mean, and then, like, Batman just thaws him into boiling water, which I would think would actually be, like, make his body go into shock, actually. Oh, yeah. Because you're not supposed <laughs> to put ice into boiling water, you fucking moron. And I'm pretty sure after he was frozen like that, he would be dead already. But that's... It would have been, because Bruce Wayne's supposed to be, like, super smart, and he thinks yeah. to himself, oh... I'm going to throw a huge lump of ice the size of a human body into, like, a huge pool of boiling liquid. Whatever, fine. That's, that's uh, again, suspension of this, this disbelief. Is yeah. But oh, like, no, he threw it in the in there, and then he made the made made it boiling after after uh, Robin was in there. Yeah, but it was, like, right after. Though, yeah, too. I know. It's just, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, like, two seconds later. But, like, mm-hmm. and that's the other thing, too, is, like, how... So that was my that was my second my my first thought actually in the whole beginning of the movie because I was like really trying to come up with things to be critical about and that was the first thing was all right so they don't even know 
who they're up against yet until Alfred tells them when Batman's driving the Batmobile. And then so yeah. they're at the museum and they're, you know, like, you know, Batman's actually like trying to like make sure that none of the things are broken because he cares about like history or whatever. Okay. And, and then like Batman like activates their shoes to like have ice skates. But what? So did he just like anticipate that at some point in time he might be up against like a ice villain? Like that seems weird. <laughs> like, you know, like, I don't know that to me that seems, I mean, maybe he's just, he, he's got a sense of over-preparedness as Batman, maybe. Yeah. But, uh, but not only that, though, also the liquid of boiling water. How would he know to have that as, a, as an option, just in case someone would be frozen, you know? I mean, again, maybe Batman just prepares for everything. But he does not prepare, apparently, for pheromones that yeah. allow him to be infatuated with feminine wilds. So, so that, yeah, that brings us to Ivy. Yeah, <laughs> we, we go to this... Uh... Wayne Enterprises lab in Brazil. And there's a Dr. Pamela Isley. She's working under this like mad scientist, Dr. Jason Woodrow. Pamela Isley is played by Uma Thurman, who yep. is like, I had a huge crush on at this time. Um, Me too. And uh, Jason Woodrow is uh, played by John Glover, who. By the way, was also recently in Shazam, another DC product. Oh. He was also in an episode of the TV show Lucifer, another DC product. Um, he he was in Marvel's Agent Carter, which is a Marvel show. But he was also Lionel Luther on Smallville, as well as the voice of Edward Nigma, aka the Riddler, on Batman the Animated Series, Superman the Animated Series, and the new wow. Mat- new Batman Adventures. Wow! So he's like a DC guy then. Um, yeah, basically. Well, so uh, who, who did he play in Shazam? In Shazam, he plays uh, the character's name is Mister Savannah. He's the dad of the main villain in that movie. Oh, okay. That cool. that uh, yeah, he gets killed by the. By the uh, seven deadly sins and stuff, and yeah, oh yeah, right. yeah. He was okay. an he was like an asshole to his son, like you know. Yeah, he yeah. was kind of. Mm-hmm. He was him and his brother were like total dicks. Yeah. To him. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, but he's know, most most well known for you know in the DC world as Lionel Luther on you know several seasons of Smallville as that Lionel being uh, Lex's dad. So yeah. Okay. I need to watch that show sometime i've only seen so many episodes so um oh boy but anyways <laughs> back to the show or the movie we've got uh basically woodrow is uh trying to do these this research where he comes up with an interesting thing where he comes up with a super soldier yes. serum which is completely marvel yes um, and a drug called venom which is completely marvel yes. and um <laughs> I, I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, to create um, like these super soldiers. Um, and he takes this former serial killer named Antonio Dago. Bane never has a name in the comic books though. So just letting you know. Um, this was just from the movie. At least at this point. Um, he basically this, you know, the serial killer is like a, you know, real skinny pencil thin guy and he um 
gives him the serum and he bulks him up and he's being played by at that point by uh, Jeep Swenson, who's a sadly passed away um, wrestler at the time. So, you know, it's like big dude. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, and unlike in the comic books where Bane is really intelligent. He's like dumb as a box of rocks here. So, yeah. Yeah. He can, like only repeat one word like a command. That's yeah. Told I don't know. <laughs> If you want to see a good Bane watch, uh, you know, Dark Knight Rises. Um, I totally. I mean, come yeah. on. Gotham Sugar. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, <laughs> the um. So he, anyways, she oversees all this stuff, and she threatens to expose, um, expose him, and uh, then he attempts to kill her by. Uh, um, by overturning this like shelf of like a bunch of chemicals and shit, and she's doused in these chemicals and is mutated into pi- into poison ivy, and then she kisses Woodrow and kills him with her kiss. Yeah, because they're lit by yeah. the venom. And, and, and when, when she sees things down, she picks up one of the 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 beakers and it says uh, Wayne Industries on it or whatever and, and enterprises, yeah, and so know- she. Yeah, so then she puts two and two together and decides to go to Gotham. Yeah, because when I was doing, like, you know, chemistry, like, in school, we always had, like, a thing where it said, like, the name of the company on the beaker. Like, Oh, yeah. Just you like, know. you know, just like a Coke bottle. It just is right there, you know? It's always, like... It's like, <laughs> when it comes to chemistry and beakers, like, mm. what you don't want to do is to, like, make sure that you can measure things correctly because nothing would go wrong ever yeah. if you measure correctly and having a big logo mm-hmm. and the same spots of the beakers where normally you would have like you know a number of ounces yeah who cares you just just wing it you know just you know in, in yeah, my, my chemistry yeah. class we used to bring in like uh street thugs to like put graffiti all over our beakers oh yeah true you yeah, know i mean yeah. obviously i mean come on i mean and like <laughs> that's the other thing too so it's like the dude literally had his door unlocked and it's like she could just walk in and witness like him trying basically to sell so human trafficking's involved this film yeah literally yeah he's he's trying to sell uh, sell the super soldier so like foreign governments you know that you know want to have you know like there's you know a stereotypical arab guy of course Mm -hmm. you know and like you know he's wearing like a uh not a turban i forgot the name of it like basically it looks like a Saudi Arabian or maybe Qatari or something like that, you know? Yeah. And you have other people, like, got a guy with, like, an eye patch, it looks like. Maybe he's supposed to be Russian. Basically, you're, you're, uh, your stereotypical <laughs> 90s bad guys. Yeah, you know, that whole thing. So, you know, but, like, you know, so he, he, he knows enough to, like, have, like, these foreign dignitaries where he's having, like, secret, you know, illegal, you know, deal going on, but he forgot to lock the door. But I guess since he's a mad scientist, maybe that tracks a little bit, you know? Yeah. And, you know, like, you, you remember to do some things but that are super important and you forget to do something. I know every time I've sold something to a, you know, foreign dictator, um, I've locked the doors. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just good practice, you know? Yeah. It's just good OPSEC, you know? And uh, I mean, by, but, by uh, the way, I mean, all I sold them was, like, you know, a, you know, a, a drawing I made of. A nuclear bomb. I mean, of a of 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 a of a flower. 
Oh, it wasn't like one of Trump's classified documents that were just laying around like his you know, Mar-a-Lago or anything no, like no, that? No, no, it, no. It, it was these NFTs for the low, low price of $99. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, right. Or the, the NFTs that were also stolen from other art mm-hmm. that they yeah. it's based on. Yes. Which, of course, that's just a typical Trump move right there. I, I love that. When I heard about that, I'm like, of course, he stole the art. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't expect anything less. <laughs> you know? But anyway, so... So he's like, he's going around, um, again, human trafficking. And it puts two, we have like an interesting conversation here, which was not at all intended for the movie, but I, I, I took it as such, where he gets a serial killer. And so it becomes one of these things of like, oh, well, we could just experiment on anyone who's bad, you know, who cares? They're not human beings. No, right? It's, like, it's like the slave labor like, in the, in the prison industry, you know, I mean, right. Yeah. So this guy is a serial killer, so it's okay if we pump his brain full of, like, extremely painful yeah. liquid you know, in a mask so he can't escape. And he's just writhing in pain until, you know, he turns into this, quote, super soldier, which, again, is the Marvel thing. But, you know, but Captain America is cool and can actually talk and do things, not just wear a bullshit top hat as he's driving around poison ivy in a fucking limousine. The best, anyway, the, the best so- disguise ever. Oh, totally. I mean, I, I I would totally believe that. And uh, she's like, drive. He's like, drive, you know. And anyway, so, which is interesting because Bane in both Batman movies is basically subservient to a female character. I don't know if that was intentional. Oh, yeah. You know, probably not. But, I like, it was because, uh, I mean, at least with Dark Knight Rises, he wasn't really subservient. It was more of like a friendship love kind of thing going on but with this one it's just he's like completely yeah. moron. he doesn't really understand anything except for following simple commands so but, after, uh, so after we're introduced to uh two of our uh our, our last two bad guys um yeah we uh we get a uh situation going on back in gotham where we meet barbara wilson alfred niece from uh who's back from great britain at the oxbridge academy where she goes to school has a completely american accent that's what i was gonna say yeah sorry (laughs) i'm just like trying to figure that out her parents are british her uncle's british she goes to a british academy american accent maybe she spends most of the time in america though and only goes to school. No, that would still be nine months in Britain and three months in America. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You would you at least pick up a little bit because I have a friend you know who has lived in who's lived in Britain for a long time and uh, you know she came back to visit you know a long time ago like almost ten years ago yeah. and like I could I could hear like a little bit of a British accent from her for being there for like three years at that point or something like that. You know? Yeah, but shading with people, you know, it it, it happens, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But then again, there are people that were raised in both Britain and America who do like a almost like a code switching sort of thing, if you want to call it that, from one accent to the other. Um like yeah. uh like uh um the chick from X Files, Jillian Anderson, that's her name. Yeah, she uh she was she's both American and British. Like one of her parents is American, the other one's British. She goes in and out. Of the accents, I had uh, I went to yeah. school with two siblings. 
and I don't know if they were twins or not, but they I went to school with both of them. And yeah, their mother was British and their father was American. And like they, they had like almost like a half and half accent, like Midwestern, you know, Ohio accent and British accent. Yeah. And sounded very, you know, unique, you know, it was interesting. Um Yeah, because it because it's it's really weird. Like if if you watch interviews with Gillian Anderson, I know this is off topic a little bit, but you watch interviews <laughs> of her on the BBC, completely British accent when she's talking to the interviewers. Watch her on like old episodes of like the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, completely an American accent. Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Maybe back then it was like seen. Well, I don't really know. I don't really think there was that much prejudice against British people. But I don't oh, know. I, know. Uh, I don't know. But but even even like recently, like if you see her on like, it's it's really weird when you see her. Like I I, I swear I saw like an interview with her on on James Corden, who is British, where she had an American accent because the show's in America. Maybe it's just out of habit, you know. Yeah, but it was just really weird. Um, I'll have to do more research into that. Maybe we can talk about that in a future episode. But um, for right now, um, so so, so anyways, we've got Barbara Wilson showing up um, for a surprise visit. She's invited by uh, Bruce... Who, by the way, oh yeah, is George Clooney in this movie? Um, <laughs> yeah, of course. And uh, Alicia Silverstone is playing um, Barbara, for who, for some reason, in this movie, is Alfred's niece instead of being Commissioner Gordon's daughter. Yeah, like, like in every I mean... other incarnation of the character, but yeah. At least, uh, yeah, at least I don't know. most in- incarnations. Um. So, uh, it works for the story purposes, but it's different. It does. Yeah. Um, so, so she's, she's invited to stay at the, at the mansion and, um, until she goes back to school. Um, while this is going on, we also have Wayne Enterprises is presenting a new telescope hmm. for the Gotham Observatory. And, uh, this is, there's like this big press conference where Poison Ivy interrupts it. Um, and, uh, as in, in her, uh, in her Pamela Isley appearance. Yeah. She had a dress like her old self. Yeah. Uh, basically. And she proposes a project to Bruce that he declines about like, you know, basically it would kill millions of people, but save the planet. <laughs> yeah. So she's basically an eco-fascist. Yeah. At this point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, he's like, yeah, I don't think so. Um, and, uh, the, um, so, uh, while that's going on, um, Batman and Robin decide that they're going to lure Freeze out using a, uh, family diamond and uh, diamonds and present them at this Wayne Enterprises charity event. And uh, yeah. by endangering everyone who goes there. Yes. Great. Good job there, Bruce. Uh huh. That's just like great plan. What's like endanger innocent life? Well, maybe not innocent, but whatever. Yeah. You know. At least the the you know the elite people that can afford to go to this charity thing. But um, right. the <laughs> it's like um. Anyways, um, Ivy attends this event, 
first dressed up like a big gorilla. And then dances to the to the song Poison Ivy. Um, of course. Yeah. And that would like, be on the nose, you know. Yeah, and mesmerizes like all the people, all the men there especially. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then uh, Mr. Freeze comes in, crashes the party like they planned. But he's defeated and detained and sent to Arkham Asylum. Yeah. And when uh, Ivy sees him, she takes an interest in him and, like, is, like, now, you know, all cold and bothered for him. (laughs) 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 I like that. Yeah. I'm I'm great with puns. It's it's, it's good. That's the other thing, too. So, like, you mentioned... Because you know, no no women would be interested in her because it only works on males apparently. Because because you know, because uh-huh. homosexuality doesn't exist in nature or in the plant kingdom. You know, you know, only males respond to the pheromones. You know, which you know, just of course ninety seven. So they didn't really. Um, oh yeah, some people were wondering if this was actually kind of somewhat queer coded a little bit because Joel Schumacher was gay, oh, or yeah. at least, and um, because you got Batman. Bruce literally had to have like arm candy to pretend that he was going out with someone because people wouldn't trust him if he was single. Like that's weird, you know. Uh-huh. Like so that kind of <laughs> I was it was kind of weird and, watching and, and, it. And, and, like, and you cast uh, a supermodel in the role. Yeah. Because it was L, L. L. McPherson. Of, yeah. Yeah, Ellie McPherson, you know, of course. L. L. You know. Yeah. I'm oh, sorry, yeah, uh, L. Yeah. And uh it was just like watching it again. I don't remember much from it when I first saw it, but like, I thought that was weird. I'm like, why, why does he have to have someone like to pretend that he's in the relationship? And then I was like, oh, because this was from 1997, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And there's also like at this thing, just a side note, there's a like annoying gossip columnist there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I did I not like her. her. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but she was like probably one of the least offensive things in this whole film. Um, true, true. <laughs> so, um, like I said, Ivy's like interested in Freeze now. Um, and uh, while this is going on, um, Dick, aka Robin. Okay, just letting you know. Um, <laughs> there's one line in the movie I can't remember what it was, but where where Bruce calls him by his first name. And it sounded like he was calling him a dick. Oh, yeah. No, I noticed that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that had to have been intentional uh-huh. yeah. for the movie to, to keep its PG-13 rating or whatever. I wish I would have wrote the, wrote the line down, but it was just like, he says the line and then he says dick. And I'm just yeah. like, um... Well, it's how he enunciated it. Yeah. Like, you know, like... Because, yeah, because, like, a subplot is that this whole movie... Robin is just being like whiny the whole time about how Bruce doesn't trust him to make his own decisions, blah, 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 that whole thing. You know, I was reading about this, that they needed that, uh, that they felt like the, that they needed to make him kind of being like a, a a whiny teenager because, um, they wanted some more conflict in the movie, a movie where you have three villains, you needed more conflict. Yeah, exactly. You got, I mean, yeah, that's the other thing too, is like, I was like, the, the weird thing, though, about this, though, is that 
even though they had what you might consider too many villains, it didn't really feel oh, no. like it was much in this particular movie. But that's like the one good thing I could say about it. Oh, yeah, that, it's, yeah, it's not really too many because especially mainly mainly because Bane has no personality. Yeah, he's just like yeah. there as muscle, you know, like. Yeah, if they would have given him like, you know, a, a personality of any kind, it would have felt overstuffed like um, some other like 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 um, like some Spider-Man movies and stuff like, you know, where you've got. Like what? What's that one? Um, Spider Man is it? Spider Man three? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, where you've got you've got Venom and you've got um, Sandman, and then you got like previous villains from other movies all in there, and you're just like, okay. Well, I, I, the... I I almost want everybody to just die. I don't really yeah. care. Yeah. Well, you had the son of son of the Hobgoblin, yeah, best friend. Mm-hmm. But so, so you, you had at least three major villains in there who were taking up screen time but um anywho that movie, yeah <laughs> what's that that movie was not that good at all spider-man no. 3 I, I enjoyed it when i saw it in theaters but watching it on repeat i don't really enjoy it um yeah. the uh so so we got this uh situation where um um where we find out that uh, Barbara has been participating in these drag races to raise money for Alfred, uh-huh. who she knows is dying of McGregor syndrome. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, yeah. The same. Yeah. yeah. The same. He's, yeah. And, and, and she's just like, at one point telling, telling Dick that she's just like, I don't, I don't want him in this life of servitude where he's, you know, being treated like, being living so badly and all this other stuff is like, do you see where he lives? <laughs> yeah. And plus, do you think after all these years, if he really wanted to leave, he could like, nobody's holding him there. No. And, and, uh, and if you know, and if anybody knows the story of Bruce Wayne and his parents, you know, that Alfred was a friend of theirs who was also and, a servant of theirs. And he, in, in, in their will, they left Bruce to him. So he was the guardian. So he was the guardian. Yeah. And also later incarnations, he was revealed that he himself was like super like almost like a Batman figured his own way kind of. Oh yeah. Like, the, there know, there is a really good I mean good storyline here with I mean the, I will tell you this, uh Michael Gao who plays Alfred, his performance in this is great. They actually yeah. gave uh, the previous movies in this series, he didn't have a lot to do except for, you know, be like Here's your dinner, sir, and you know, right? Don't scratch the car, sir, and stuff like that. You know, right? You know those, yeah, those yeah, throw things. Uh, yeah, and but um, he he does have a a lot to do here, and there is a line where he says something like, "The only regret I have is that I wasn't out there with you guys fighting," or something like that. You know, so it's like, yeah, yeah. So so that, there's that. Um, so it gives you a kind of hint to the fact of his life as a spy in the past or something. You know. Or at least his desire to do that, you know, um, that if he was younger, he would have been a, or his life had different circumstances. Maybe he would have been a vigilante too. Um, yeah, which he kind of is, you know. Anyways, because he's helping out the town's vigilante. And I want to tell you, yeah. folks, kids, 
Vigilanteism is bad. Bad. Yes. Don't do it. No. Don't don't or, become like Batman or Mister Freeze. Or do it. I don't care. Um. Anyway, so the. <laughs> Well, that's a mixed message. Uh, no. You know what? What? It is and it isn't. Anyway, oh, so... um, <laughs> That's philosophical there. Um. <laughs> so we've got... um, You know, she she's participating in these drag races. Um, I can't remember if it's in the deleted scenes or in the actual movie where we see Coolio among these people. No, that, that was in the movie. Okay, yeah, because I I, yeah. I I had a fever dream where I was like, was that Coolio? Yeah, anyways. So, um... He was the guy that was, like, placing the bets and stuff. And yeah. Kind of orchestrating the whole thing. Because then I read later that there was actually talk that Joel Schumacher, if he was able to direct another movie, wanted to have Coolio play um, Scarecrow. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so... Anyways, um, we have uh, we have we find that out about her, um, that she wants to save Alfred, um. Batman and Robin and the p- police arrive at Freeze's lair because he had escaped from Arkham, <coughs> and uh, yeah, with the help of Ivy, who brings his close his uh his suit to her to him i mean um so uh they find that out um they find out that nora is they they go to his uh his lair where by the way earlier there was a weird fucking scene where he's making all the people all of his henchmen who are freezing their asses off um sing along to the snow miser sequence from a year without santa claus yeah, that was weird. And of course, he's smoking a cigar because it's Arnold. But yeah, how would he be able to light a cigar if he's freezing? Like, like, you know what I mean? It, like, it's it, it's it's a good question. And he's supposed to keep his body temperature at a certain temperature. Yeah, so you think I, that a cigar would, would heat up his throat? At least, whatever. Fine. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> maybe it wasn't lit. Maybe he just likes the taste of it, you know, in his mouth, kind of thing. Yeah. And then the one black person in the movie that I could see um, is like just one of like his henchmen, I guess. But like, but like, then... like she's only in like one scene. That's it. And she just like flirts with them and wants to like, and that's them. Vivica a Fox too. Yeah. Which is like a really famous actress. At that yeah. Like, time. like uh, just a few years later, she, after this movie came out, she was in kill bill with uh, Uma Thurman. Right. <laughs> so, so her, her only role was like to be eye candy and the drape basically trying to seduce him, but he's like, yeah, I only eyes for my wife type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was the whole thing. She was gone. Yeah. I, I, it makes you wonder if there was like uh, some kind of plot for her that fell on the cutting room floor or they just, yeah. thought, you know, we're going to, we're, we're going to use an actress who's well known for this really small role. I mean, in the previous film, like, sidekicks for like uh i think for um for uh for jim carrey's riddler like one of them was uh was drew barrymore oh wow yeah so you got like random like celebrities in these thankless roles you know so right i forgot about that yeah i can't remember who the other one was but they were both like 
bigger name actresses at the time, and you're just like, yeah, why are they in this movie? Um, <laughs> maybe it was just like a cheap ploy to be like, oh, so and so is in this movie, you know, like, yeah, <clears throat> gotta go see it because you know this famous actress or actor, you know, whatever. Well, they, already... they kind of did that with um the opposite though with with um multiverse of madness yeah where there was like all these rumors that tom cruise was gonna play like a multiverse iron man oh yeah. it was almost like they almost paid him to pretend that he might be in the movie even though he wasn't like oh yeah I mean? well, yeah the so, other the other actress was uh these were two, two uh, not not jim carrey's um henchwomen it was uh it was um two faces uh tommy lee jones it was drew barrymore and debbie mazar Oh yeah, that's both I mean. like well-respected actresses. Like, okay, yeah. So, anyways, so um, yeah, but but back to this one where you just randomly have Vivica A. Fox in there, but um, we're, we're they're uh they find they find Nora's chamber where she's you know frozen or whatever she is in some kind of stasis, and um, they find out that uh. That there's a, you know, that, that she has McGregor syndrome and all that stuff too. And hers is worse than Alfred's and that he's been developing a cure of some sort for his wife. Um, but he can only cure people at an earlier stage, um, which is coincidentally the stage that a person dying on their deathbed has. Yeah, Alfred, interesting. I don't get how... It's an earlier stage, but he's almost dead. Yeah, good point, actually, about that one. Um, maybe because he's a little bit older, maybe she could bounce back. I, mean, I, I don't know. Possibly. I doubt they, I doubt they thought. They didn't probably it. think this uh, through. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they thought a lot of things through when they were making this movie. No, I don't. No, like I said, I think they started filming before the script was completed. So, yeah, so um, I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, all right, we're going to build a set, and then we're mm-hmm. going to like write a script around it, basically. Yeah. We're gonna make the toys, then build the set, and then yeah, um, yes, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it's like I, I, I swear, like it would have been a better movie if, like, randomly throughout the thing, like Chris O'Donnell as Robin, like, turns to the camera and says, "You know, you can get you can get a toy version of this motorcycle for only nineteen ninety five at Kmart, you know, or something." It would like be that. like total like meta, you <laughs> yeah. know, like breaking the fourth wall, yeah. like you know, before that was like a common thing, yeah. you know. That's great. Yeah. Um. So. The um. Anyways, we we find uh, Nora. Ivy shows up and unplugs Nora. Because. No. Yeah, because she's like, you know. I don't want to, you know, fight you for. The man that I'm all cold and bothered for. <laughs> and um. The one who uh, shakes my leaves, if you will, and um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, <clears throat> waters my plants. Oh wait, that's even grosser. Um, so <laughs> the uh... <laughs> it reminds me of when they were talking about uh, Batman and Robin. We're talking about oh, she got, got nice stems though. Yeah, nice buds too. Yeah, those are nice. <laughs> like really? Yeah. He's, okay, <laughs> and uh. Like my father said when he was a kid and he used to watch the Mickey Mouse show that Annette had a nice set of mouse ears. 
And um, so. Wow. The um, we've got um, they're all uh, trying to you know fight each other and blah blah blah. I don't know. I got bored at this point. <laughs> what happens here? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. So she. <laughs> He pulls the plug on her, you know, because she doesn't want, like you said, she wants to, she wants to be with, you know, Victor, and uh, they they hatch this plan together where, because she she lies and tells him that Batman did it and that like they should team up and just basically like destroy the whole world together because before, so before Mister Freeze was just gonna freeze Gotham for a little bit or at least threaten to because he wanted yeah. Holy City at ransom so that they could basically give him, like, all the diamonds or money he needed to finish his cure. But now that he thinks his wife is dead, now he just wants revenge. So she's like, yeah, why, why don't you just freeze the whole world and kill everything? Yeah, and, and she, then, oh, yeah. by the way, she she, she makes uh, him think that Batman was the one that unplugged and not... Yeah. You know, yeah. So. And so, like, she's like, why don't you just freeze the whole world and then we'll just be the only two people left alive and then presumably we can repopulate the planet. She didn't say that, but that was the implication. <laughs> As Dennis Reynolds would say, it's it's the implication. You know, uh, <laughs> what else are you gonna do, right? You can't you can't go anywhere because the world's frozen over. So, but technically, it's your choice. But you won't say no because of the implication. <laughs> anyway, that was her. That was like Ivy Reynolds. Uh, is yes. Lot. And the, part of the reason why she liked him so much because it's like stereotypical. Because he was the one person that couldn't respond to her pheromone trick. So it was the whole, like, oh, I, I want the guy who doesn't want me, you know, trope type of thing, you know. That's what they were going for, kind of, you know, with that. So, but what I didn't understand, though, is that she wanted her plants that she had, like, engineered, I guess, with her poison ivy powers, whatever, that um, she wanted them to basically, like, take over the earth. But it's like, well, wait a minute, though how can plants grow in ice for one thing and how if you're the last two people on earth that means that mr freeze is going to die at some point when the ice is, is thawed out so i don't whatever that, their plans didn't seem to match up with each other but um or maybe ivy planned on killing them afterwards i don't know you know or something like that but um yeah whatever and then uh so that's like their thing so like the He's going to freeze Gotham, I guess. <sighs> Whatever. Yeah. And then they get by, <laughs> like you said, um, Batgirl shows up now as Batgirl. I mean, Barbara shows up yeah, as Batgirl. Yeah, because Alfred had already made her a suit and stuff, anticipating that she would break into his computer and then find <laughs> out about the Batcave and want to go out and help fight. Yeah, of course. Like you do. Mm-hmm. Yep. The other thing, another thing about this that I liked about how dated some of this movie is. So at one point, Alfred records an uh, audio file, burns it onto a CD, and then he wants uh, Barbara to find his, his long-lost brother and somehow deliver it to him. Because <laughs> he can't just send the file anymore. You mean no. at that time, he put it to a CD mm-hmm. and physically deliver it to someone so that person oh, yeah. could put it into their own cd player or computer and then hear the audio file well that, i think i think was... it had more than audio i think it, because uh when she she I mean, yeah. she opened it up it had like the description of the back 
history. That's yeah, that's right. And uh, <laughs> the bats batstery, so, as I call it. Oh wait, I just made the batstery. I like that. Yeah. So yeah, he wanted her to do that, but then she first she's got to beat poison ivy. So then we get into this weird like quasi debate of like what feminism really is. That was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Where she's like, "Oh, you're using your feminine wiles to get what you want. That's so old school or whatever." And it's like, but now new feminism is like. Hey, it doesn't really matter, you know, like if you wanna if you wanna have feminine wiles, that's cool too. But like back then it was like seen as like taboo, I guess. Like we can't do that anymore. So now you gotta be like a strong, you know, woman who kicks ass or whatever, and she like kicks her into like a huge Venus fly trap, I guess, that yeah presumably eats her, but later on we find out she's still alive. But um and so you know, she she kicks she beats like, Poison Ivy in like a 30 second fight scene, which was like, okay. Like, yep. Poison Ivy's been in the movie since like the first 15 minutes. And now, like, that's it. We just kick her and that's the whole fight. Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess. I mean, that was kind of anticlimactic, but whatever. And then, you know, somehow there was like a recording device on Batgirl's. Um, belt or something that recorded her admitting that she she was, was the, the one, one that that uh unplugged Nora. So how would they know that Batgirl is gonna be the one to defeat her? I whatever. Well I don't I don't know if she recorded it or if she played it back or what who knows how it's it's yeah hard. who knows yeah. but whatever yeah there's there's a recording of her admitting that she's the one that did it. So then Batman shows Victor you know the truth and then he's like Oh my gosh, she's dead. And then Batman's like, no, she's actually alive. And you, you know, we're going to send you to Arkham Asylum where you can just work on a cure as a prisoner. <laughs> you know, and then. Like, like, like you do. You, like you do. Like you do, you know. But you do have the ability to cure stage one. And I have someone that really needs the cure. So then. Oh my God. So this whole movie's full of ice puns and blah, blah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Iceman cometh and, you know. Yeah don't mean to freeze you out and you know these kind of things but then he makes a doctor pun because it's not enough to do like ice puns you also need to have doctor puns thrown in because he's a doctor so he i used to see him doctor puns he was a good guy doctor puns he was a good one yeah yeah good pediatrician anyway but (laughs) (laughs) nice guy but whatever you know so uh (laughs) so um he has like these two vials that are like blue that's supposed to cure stage one um yeah, McGregor's uh, syndrome. Yeah, and he says, "Take two and call me in the morning." Yep. And I remember that when I first saw it. That mm-hmm. that that line stuck with me all these decades later. Yes, I forgot most of the movie, but I do. I remember that one part where he's laying down and he goes, "Take two and call me in the morning." Like when I heard it, it just reminded me of the bad joke I wrote as an eight-year-old. Oh where, yeah, what's where, that? Uh, what did God tell Moses? When he gave him the Ten Commandments. Uh, what? Take these two tablets and call me in the morning. Uh, that's actually pretty good, though. Oh, uh, I know. For, for an eight-year-old. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's but, actually pretty good, though. But yeah, the... um, So, so anyways, they, they end up going back and they cure Alfred. And... Uh, of literally his, on death's door. Yeah. Like, you know. And he comes out and he's all cool and then uh they uh 
they basically find out that uh, for some odd reason, which I don't understand how this uh, prison system works in Gotham, um, <laughs> they they put Ivy in the same cell as Freeze. Which that's weird. Um, Pretty sure they have like separate cells for men and women. They that's don't just usually do that for <laughs> male and female. Yeah, you know. Especially like at an mm-hmm. Arkham, which is like for like the criminally insane. That's the other thing too. So I mean, I they might have a similar Gotham. common area or something, but even then, they usually will rotate like who's going to be able to be out in the common area. They usually do, but yeah. again, mm-hmm. never. But like that's the other thing. So why is it always all the villains get sent to Arkham Asylum, which is supposed to be for like insane people? Like every villain because most of the villains are insane. But it doesn't make any sense because, like, you could be a villain and still have, like, your thoughts are still clear. And, like, like for example, Bane and The Dark Knight Rises was not insane. There he, is I there mean, is a penitentiary nearby, too, I believe. Okay. So that I've, I've, I've in, in certain adaptations of Batman, there's jails and penitentiaries and well, stuff, too, so. Like an Arrow, they send them to, what, what was it called? I forgot the name of it. Um... Iron, not Iron Heights. There's well, one. Well, there's Iron Heights, and then there's like, um, what was the other one? Argus, right? Argus. Uh, no, Argus is like a. That's a. That. That's like an organization, like a government organization, kind of like oh, Homeland right. Security uh, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, but um, Iron Heights is one of them that is in DC that they use to send people to sometimes. Yeah. Um, but anyways, and then they they end the movie with uh. You know, Ivy um, in the cell with him. And then we, you know, Alfred gets the cure. And uh, Bruce and Dick agree to let Barbara join their fighting team. And then you have this really cheesy thing where they're all running out at the end of the thing. Like they're about to go on to their next adventure that never comes. Yeah, because they didn't make a fifth one. Yeah, yeah. so it's like, all right, now we got a trio, which is awesome because, you know, you got the trio and Harry Potter you know, and all this, all these, we're going to get something great. It's good. It's coming. Nothing. Yeah. Which is another interesting thing. So, you know, Barbara slash Batgirl, you know, so, you know, stoked about, you know, her, her, her superior version of feminism to, to Poison Ivy. Because, you know, Poison Ivy, quote, only uses her feminine wiles. Let's yeah. see here. Uh, what, so what, what did Poison Ivy accomplish, though? So... She used her quote feminine wiles according to Barbara. That's her words, not mine. So don't come at me. Yeah. With, you know, me saying what she said. I'm just quoting her. But um, okay, so Poison Ivy almost accomplished her goal of taking over the entire world, killing everyone, and having her plants um basically become like the new main species of the world. What did you accomplish? You kicked someone into a Venus flytrap. Oh, wow. Uh, and then, on the same token of that, now Victor gets to exact his revenge on a female cellmate, and he gets a redemption story to go cure his wife while he's killing her, seeking revenge on his cellmate, but she doesn't get a redemption arc. Okay, well, that seems pretty sexist there, Barbara, but whatever, no matter. Um, maybe, maybe you learn that in your academic, you know, snobby schools in Britain or something like that, you know, but hey, whatever, whatever floats your boat, Barbara, I guess, you know, yep, you, you fucking hypocrite, but so, <laughs> so that's it, that's the movie, right? That's it. Yeah. 
I got a question. I mean, obviously forgot a few things, but you know. Yeah, whatever. I'm sure we did. Um, yeah. Bef- before we uh, wrap things up here, I got a question for you. Who is your favorite Batman? Live action oh, or right. animated, either way. Uh, well, let's see here. Um, oh, man, it's a cross between three, actually. So Michael Keaton's probably number one. Um, Christopher, not sorry. Um, um, uh, Christian Bale. What's Christian Bale? Sorry, yeah. Chris, Christopher Nolan, who directed it. Uh, Christian Bale's probably. <clears throat> I don't know, but um, maybe too. But but interesting. So actually, I really like the dude who played Batman in the um, Crisis on Infinite Earths um, thing. The dude. That did the voice acting. Oh yeah, Kevin Conroy. Yeah, Kevin. He also passed away recently. Yeah, he just and, passed uh, away. Yeah. Uh, but I, I really like Tim, even though he was only in one episode. Of yeah, that, I really his version. His of, he's my favorite. He's my favorite. He's I like mean, a, yeah, like a bad Batman, like one who's gone mm-hmm. too far, like you know, kind of thing. Um, he's my favorite because yeah. I consider the animated series the best adaptation of Batman. Period. Um, yeah, that's, that's and I also great. love Batman Beyond and him as bruce on that um with uh you know you know will fordell is a batman terry mcginnis and that's good too you know eric from boy meets world um (laughs) yeah yeah but um so i did a poll on our on our podcast uh facebook group to find out who's who our uh listeners uh favorite batman or batmen are um Number one at thirty one percent is Michael Keaton. Okay. Um, number two at twenty six is Kevin Conroy. Okay. Um, at eighteen percent we have Christian Bale. So nobody voted for Val Kilmore. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming back here. We got Adam oh, okay, West. Adam West. Adam West at eleven. Okay. Um, we've got other at four percent. So okay. I just put other as a choice. At three percent and two percent, which I don't get how they decide which is three and which is two because they both have two votes. So all, these are all two votes each. We got Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Ben Affleck, and Robert Pattinson. That's right. I forgot about Ben Affleck. Yeah. So 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 those are some because somehow. Oh no! Wait! Oh, Ben Affleck's got three votes. Okay. And so he's at three percent. Let me look at the votes here. I did like him as Batman. Clooney somehow has three percent as well, but he's only got two votes. You know what? I don't if know I how they break this down. Like so how quickly people voted for them, maybe. And like, like maybe some, yeah, like, if, you know I mean? but but somehow, like oh, I guess never mind. Okay, so we got two percent. It's like Pattinson's got two votes, and he's got two percent, and. Kilmer has one vote and he's got 2%. I'm not really understanding the percentages here. But anyways, the clear winners are Keaton and Conroy. Yeah. With Bale in third and West in fourth. So. Interesting. But but Clooney surprisingly got two votes. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's not that bad of a Batman. I think he was a, a better Bruce Wayne than he was a Batman. Yeah, I say the same thing about Kilmer as well too. So that's just me. Yeah, and and uh, but I I really think 
Keaton encompassed both of them really well as far as live action goes. Christian Bale was a really good Bruce Wayne. Not necessarily a good Batman. He, he I mean, he did the action parts and everything, but his Batman voice was horrible. <laughs> I love the I love the Nolan movies, but his his, uh, you know. <laughs> I know, like he's got like a like cold. Uh, you got gate. You were kicked out of a gate. You're a violent psychopath. You're just a guy but wearing hockey pads. Like, <laughs> when he's fighting Bane, he's like, yeah. you were kicked out of a game. Like, sorry, my, I'm coughing just from talking. Oh, I know. It's hard to do. I can't understand <laughs> I how I can't understand how, how Bale did that, you know? so I know. But... <laughs> it's crazy, man. Uh, but yeah, that version mm-hmm. of Bane, man, I love that fight scene. There's oh, yeah. no music. All you hear is the waterfall from like the oh, yeah. And you just, it's just like two guys duking it out, man. Mm-hmm. And like Bane's voice. I, I love like how like Bane was almost like an actor within the movie itself. Like how he enunciated certain words, like when he's fighting them and he does that whole thing where Batman turns the light off and he's like, oh, you think, I know it's like a cliche meme, like, oh, you think darkness is your ally, but like the whole, the whole monologue where he's like, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't see the light until I was already a man. And then he's like, and to then it was only blinding. Like, and he's the way he says blinding, he immediately just grabs his throat and just beats him up again. <laughs> like, interesting. Um, <laughs> maybe someday down the road, we can do a Batman like review of all the different Batman movies. Yeah. That would um, be cool. Yeah. If you guys want us to do that, you know, message me at Mike at Cullen That would be great. Um, any final thoughts on Batman and Robin before we wrap things up here? Um, I, I would just say, give it, give it a shot. I mean, like it's, it's funny to make fun of and it's, it's funny to enjoy. Like really, I I like Poison Ivy a lot in this movie. It could just be memories of having a crush on her when I was like 13. Maybe that's up a little bit, but like, um, because you know, she was like, you know, really hot item. Oh yeah. No, no. But like she was, I mean. I, I I was I dated a girl for a short time that reminded me a lot of her. Oh wow! Look, looked very similar, so it kind of was a weird thing. I mean, and by a short time, I mean like weeks. So <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, you know, So yeah, it was you know like I really like um, I I didn't like hate it as like after I read the articles about it, it kind of like made me appreciate what I had just watched like a day before or two days before. So uh, yeah, I would just say you know come into it expecting it to be corny and you might actually enjoy it without like wishing that it would be something other than what it is kind of thing. Cause I think that's where the dis- disappointment comes in for thinking it should be something else. And then, yeah, but if you just come into it knowing that it's going to be stupid, you know, you might actually enjoy it a little bit, you know, like especially with Bane wearing that ridiculous hat as he's driving the limousine. That's funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. It's objectively funny, you know, <laughs> It is. Um, um, yeah, I mean, I give the movie a one and a half out of five stars, but yeah. it's still, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know, though. I mean. Combined, combined, yeah. you get it like three out of five. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my main thing about liking the movie in the first place was the fact that Alicia Silverstone and, uh, and Uma Thurman were in it. I'll admit that, you know, because I, I mean, true, I crushed true. on both of them at the time. So yeah. yeah, um, probably still do. But yeah, anyway. So the, uh, <laughs> the um, 
Anyways, um, speaking of movies from this era, um, let us know on our Facebook page, if you can, what your favorite movie from the 90s was. Because I've got a project that I'm working on right now where I'm going to be revisiting some films from the 90s. So let us know. Um, also, you know, and that's on our Facebook, you know, join our group, like it, you know, or whatever you kids do on there, you know, and, um, <laughs> the, uh, make sure you, uh, rate our podcast, give us a five star on Apple, um, subscribe wherever you're listening to this right now. Um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, also check out our T public, our, uh, Patreon, our gobbledy goop. And our whoosie what's it's and our are, are, are these things? No. Oh, okay. Cool. Pa- I'm just checking. Patreon's real. For some odd reason, it's on my script here. Oh no, no. Patreon's oh, real. Patreon is. Yeah. And 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 uh. But whoosie what's it's not. Uh, not yet. Maybe if you okay. create, maybe it will be. What about TikTok? Is that real? Yeah, it is real. I don't use it, but it is real. Okay, we have one. I don't use it much, but we have one, and um, <laughs> we 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 do have a we we have one of those um those uh, nitwits. I mean, twitters, and um, <laughs> it's run by a nitwit. I'm sorry, but um, anyways, the uh, <laughs> I'm probably closing it soon though, but so don't look for anything there really. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, um, but until next time, folks, remember to tune in same bat time. Same bat channel. Oh. And uh, be good to each other. Um, Remember that we love you. And bye bye Thanks for listening to All Too Real 2 Podcast, a Cullen Park production. Produced and edited by Michael E. Cullen II. Music by Matthew Haas. Subscribe and share the show. Visit us at CullenPark.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now